Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be discussing a number of UK equities, um, some particularly big movers out there on the day, as well as uh, the key market themes out there. And to do that, we have with us Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being back with us this morning. Hello, John. Good to be back. So, Alan, we're looking here at a market which is looking fairly soggy at the moment. It's been looking fairly soggy all week. It's been taking the lead from over the pond in the United States, where there are ongoing concerns about interest rates. Now, we're recording this on Wednesday morning, um, where there's a lot of uh, speculation and rumour in the air that there's going to be a half a percent uh, increase in interest rates in the Federal Reserve tonight. Um, and that's been really driving um, you know, a lot of volatility in markets. We, we're seeing moves, particularly in, in tech stocks and US equities. We're seeing uh, big moves in, in bond markets, which is rattling some investors. I mean, when we're looking at this, and Alan, and looking at a potential half a half a rate, a half a percent in, increase in in interest rates, I have seen some comments that you know that there's a rumor it could even be 075 percent. But um, you know, there's probably people trying to grab a, a headline there. But you know, as we see, and this is probably more a question about the bigger picture when you're looking at, at markets and and how markets set up going into such announcements. We've obviously seen volatility going into this announcement. I mean, is it a case that people prepare for, for such a move? When a move comes, a significant move as uh, as much as half a percent in, in interest rates, does it then shift to, OK, we've now got that price into markets. We now then move back to a focus on economic growth and what GDP figures are doing and what that means for companies' earnings. Uh, absolutely, uh, John. I think, uh, it, you know, we've got the, the macro picture, which, of course, is the Ukraine uh, invasion by Russia, the the sanctions there, the refusal to by the EU to buy oil in rubles, um, which is forcing Putin's uh, strategic team to rethink as the economy and uh, and Russia crumbles around him. Um, but, uh, but certainly, certainly we, we've got the the uh, the issue with Russian energy is driving inflation, um, and it's it, it's also uh, we're, we've we're seeing uh, uh, German, British, and U.S. Uh, uh, bond yields um, or, or yields on government debts uh, hitting one, two, and three percent. Uh, you know, uh, over you know these are levels that haven't been seen in years, and of course, in turn, we've we've had this knock-on effect: uh, borrowing costs for households increase. Um, energy costs we know uh, through the roof, food costs through the roof too. So, um, so in order to uh, to put a lid on inflation, the weapon of choice, of course, is um, our interest rate hikes. And and um, I think certainly it's priced in, but um, but it's it's direction at the moment. Um, the the one thing that history has taught us is that in times of conflict, uh, stock markets do generally do well. So. So given where we are at the moment, uh, the markets are still relatively buoyant. And of course, with the issue of uh, oil prices, um, we're seeing um, energy companies, Shell, of course, and BP, 
BP declared uh, very strong earnings uh, early this week. We're seeing those prices go through the roof. Um, and financial stocks um, will be benefiting, of course, from the higher interest rates um, uh, because, of course, they can earn more money from the from the assets that they have on deposit. So, it, 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 yeah, it's it's a, it's a curate's egg, really, isn't it? It's uh, you know uh, good in parts, but um, but uh, uh, overall, I think um, I think we're we're set for a pretty bumpy ride in the coming months, uh, and um, interest rate hikes in the UK uh, almost certain to follow. So when we had the recovery from the pandemic, Adam, we saw a big outperformance in US indices. You know, US tech stocks really stormed ahead and we saw big moves in their indices. If you're looking at the S&P 500, Dow Jones and the Nasdaq. Since then, we've seen somewhat of an underperformance and, and really some quite big sell-offs in, in those indices compared to the FTSE 100. In your view... Is it a time now to maybe start to look back over at the United States uh, and maybe wind down some exposure uh, in uh, in FTSE 100 companies because it has held up quite well and there was obviously this uh, discussion around the FTSE 100 offering significant value compared to peers uh, for for some time but that seems to have been reversed or do you think that the composition of the FTSE 100 being quite heavily weighted towards commodities and and financials as compared to tech stocks in the United States, still hold some value. Yeah, I, I, I'd absolutely agree with that last point there, Jonathan. I think um, I think uh, out the mix of stocks that represents the FTSE 100 is weighted much more towards commodities, um, and the, the the fundamentals underpinning those arguments, uh, um, you know, really. To, to my mind, hold will hold firm for some time to come. So I think that's why the FTSE is holding up quite well. Um, we've got the commodity supply squeeze. We all know what's happening with the um, battery metal industry and clean technology, the drives for those and the demand for metals. And there simply isn't enough to go around. With with Russia supplies being taken out of the picture, that's it. That in itself has put a supply squeeze onto um onto commodities and metals and of course the energy squeeze is well documented um uh you know oil prices uh oil prices uh, have jumped again today up three percent and will probably continue to rise higher um because of the uncertainty so i think certainly for the foot the FTSE 100 um we we do of course have to factor in the fact that we've entered May as well. And um, the old saying, the markets go away in May, uh, may or may not ring true. It'll probably ring true more so for US markets this year than the UK market. But um, yeah, there's uncertainty ahead. But uh, but I think the the the, the, the global, the, the macro picture and the, the fundamentals underpinning the, the uh, evolution in the world as we see it at present, um, the FTSE 100, I think, is in better shape than the US markets to to, to weather that uh, that particular storm. Indeed, and that's going to be something that's particularly prevalent. I think going forward, if you're looking at uh, the way the commodities market is moving, uh, the FTSE 100, and how you know day in day out we're seeing uh, the miners really support the FTSE when you're comparing it to to European peers as well as. Uh, the US indices there. So that's going to be the biggest, I feel, uh, theme in markets going forward over the next couple of months. So we're going to discuss uh, a couple of um, uh, companies now, Alan, quite high profile. And the first is going to be Aston Martin, looking at shares now up 13% on the day. So 
um, really pushing on there. What's been driving those strong gains today? Driving those strong gains. Well, yeah. beautiful cars. Really give my fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, well, Aston Martin, of course, uh, uh, came to market arguably massively overvalued, and it's really struggled to engage with investors over the past uh, few years. Um, uh, value today just over over a billion, but shares are up ten percent this morning um, on the back of um, of a very very strong uh, very strong set of numbers and also some fundamental changes uh, in the business. Um, so so first quarter revenues uh, jumped four percent to two hundred thirty two point seven million, which is which is a pretty pretty damn good performance, uh, and it offset. Uh, a consensus uh, in the city expecting a, a decline in volumes. Um, of course, the the new DBX seven hundred seven um, is is uh, is w- will be hitting the uh, hitting the production line very shortly. Um, and although the group has said there are supply chain issues, and I know this through speaking to other companies involved in the automotive sector, there are supply chain issues really resulting from Brexit, price increases, and all the rest of it. But um, but nonetheless, um, you know, Aston said uh, in 2022 it expects cash profits to grow by 50% um, and expects to sell 6,600 vehicles, you know, which is pretty good. But but I think the thing is, you know, it, people who buy Aston Martins don't really have the day-to-day cash wars that uh, perhaps the majority of the UK population do, you know, it's uh, or, or, or the majority of the population do. If you can afford an Aston Martin, you've already, you're already at a certain level in terms of your, your earnings and your income and cash flow and so on. And obviously, the, the, the uh, record high fuel prices won't really be bothering you either in that regard. And that's something certainly, I think is, is very supportive to Aston shares. Um, but of course, the, uh, the the one thing that is really missing from the Aston Martin portfolio at the moment is uh, is an electric car. But uh, but I'm sure they are working on that behind the scenes, and that will that will sort of help uh, the group um, uh, the, the help group sales sort of uh, uh, toward the end of the year and going forward. Um, but the other factor I think has also helped drive the share price today. It's uh, it's announced uh, a new chief executive, the former Ferrari chief executive Amadeo Felisa, um, and that's fantastic. You know that's a, that's a real feather in the cap for Aston, given the woes that they've experienced since they've come to market. So yeah, look at the shares here. I mean, um, if you if you look at the look, look at the year performance, so shares have hit a high of. £22.60 on the year, a low of £7, and we're now trading at £9.40 just. Um, so really just off those year lows. And I think, uh, I think you know, given where we are, this could be the turning point for Aston. And um, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a, uh, you know, it's, it's a bit of a contrarian play in a sense, because with everything that's going on in the world, why would you buy Aston Martin shares? But ironically, you know, the, the numbers today do bear out a recovery, and if they expect to grow profits by fifty percent, and sell six thousand six hundred cars, and they bought on the new Ferrari CEO, this could just be the time to buy them. Indeed, I mean, there's an interesting point there that you brought up about electric cars. I mean, do you feel, and, and do you think there's maybe a feeling out there amongst so-called petrol heads that as you know, cars move increasingly towards. Uh, you know, being electric and, you know, at some point in the not too distant future, we're not going to see uh, the level of production of uh, of petrol and diesel uh, powered cars that, I mean, 
if, if you're looking at an Aston Martin, which is electric, I mean, is that does that have the same appeal as uh, an Aston Martin, which is currently powered by by, by petrol? Do you feel going forward, and is that is that a long term problem for Aston Martin? No, I don't think it is because because the thing is, you know, Aston Martin cars are iconic. I mean, my all time favorite is the Aston Martin DB4. It's just a beautiful thing. It's, uh, but um, I, I, you know, I bumped into a guy several years ago who had bought one of these old DB4s, but he'd um, he'd uh, underneath was a modern chassis. Um, and also a, a straight six BMW engine, which uh, would shock the purists. But the the fellow said, "Well, I just want to drive something that looks beautiful and is beautiful, um, but that is reliable and will start every day." Um, and uh, so I think a lot of people buy Aston cars for the look. So I don't think the propulsion system is absolutely vital. I don't think the um, the uh, the chassis uh, you know having the old original chassis components is vital you know people want modern cars that that look good um, you know that that they they're evocative vehicles they 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 represent the history of the mark and um, and uh, take it in a new direction and and I think Aston Martin with the brand they have and what that brand stands for they're past masters at at, uh, at you know maintaining the legacy of the brand whilst pushing the envelope in regards to technology. So I have no fears on that on that front at all. Yeah, so if, if that uh, comes to pass, as you said before, Adam, looking at these shares here at around £9, um, you know, given where they where they were not too, not too long ago, um, it could be, as you said, uh, quite an interesting recovery play. Indeed. Going forward, looking, uh, looking at those shares. So... Um, from moving on now from a stock which isn't impacted, uh, one would say, by the, the cost of living crisis to one that um, that is very much you know within that market and you know has that elasticity of, of demand to some extent with uh, its products and uh, obviously its peers out there and that's JD Weatherspoons. Obviously, it's a you know a discount uh, pub to some extent compared to some of their peers, but um, looking at the shares, they're trading slightly down. Uh, today, Alan, maybe uh, this long-awaited recovery for JD Weatherspoon is not quite underway yet. No, it's a funny one, isn't it? I mean, JD Weatherspoon—it's it, a bit of an evergreen stock, really. Of course, uh, you know, and it wouldn't be complete without um, uh, CEO Tim Martin and his famous mullet. But, <laughs> but um, you know, we're all—you know—certainly going to the city. There are, you know, some great pubs up there, but. Um, the great thing is, of course, you can go into the Cross Keys, which is a Weatherspoons pub in Bishopsgate, and you're paying, you know, really, really cheap money, really very little for for each pint. And um, that's the attraction, I think. You know, they're, they're able to undercut the opposition because they have this huge network and uh, economies of scale. Um, and that's a very popular formula. Of course, you know, the pandemic has wreaked havoc with uh, revenue streams uh, previously, but then we've had the recovery. Um, but it, it's it's a again you know it's a bit of a mixed bag really you know the uh, uh, the, the company reported um, uh, the uh, uh, like like sales um, uh, for for the quarter had fallen four percent compared to sort of pre pandemic levels. Um, the, the company sort of said it seemed positive, slightly positive sales trends towards the last few weeks of the period. Um, but of course, during that time, there are a lot, of, a lot of property transactions. Um, five pubs uh, were were moved on, given up at the end of their leases. 
uh, leasehold pubs were closed. So, so the company bought in some cash, but still carrying net debt of nine hundred over nine hundred million, um, which is expected to fall slightly to eight hundred and seventy million at the end of the year. So the company's trading on a market cap of just under a billion. Um, Fourteen pounds twenty was the year high. Seven pounds eight is the year low, and we're literally just bumping along the bottom at that level at the moment. Um, and of course, uh, it's a glass half full, half empty. I think the I think the Weatherspoon's formula will always work. And I know, I know, you know, a lot of you know uh, the, the guys that I see, and you know, will go out for a beer. You know, they'll choose a Weatherspoon pub if it's a decent pub because the beer prices are so good, and that's the big attraction. And that really underscores the the key attraction for the group. Um, um, and of course, there are the group also has. Um, um, around fifty Weatherspoons hotels as well, so so there's a there's a different revenue stream for the group um, they're going forward. Um, how's it going to shape up going forward? Will it recover from here? Well, I think um, I think uh, it's a stock you could probably give the benefit of the doubt to. You know, as the city comes back to life, of course, John, we we're talking earlier about um, the conferences that we're going to this year. You know, where whereas last year we'd have been doing stuff virtually online conferencing now we're starting to move back towards um you know conventional conferences and seminars and go and see people again and of course what that does it'll bring people to their seminars they'll go out for a meal or something to drink afterwards and the chances are the weatherspoons pubs will be one of the pubs that benefits from that so um in a sense where we are now uh, with the share price um looks quite good value uh but of course uh, you know I, I think you could look to maybe a short-term gain over the summer in terms of trading. Um, what that will look like at the end of the year is anyone's guess. Will there be more lockdowns? You know, where will we be? So an uncertain outlook, but um, probably give it the benefit of the doubt for now. Yes. I mean, I think looking at the, the numbers that are coming out, we're seeing recovery. It's a slow uh, recovery. But I think one thing that is on the side of uh, – Weatherspoon shares is if we are starting to see this cost of living crisis coming and really pinch people mm. this is this is, people still are going to want to go out for a drink they want to go out and socialize um you know it, it's part of the british culture and to do that if it means going to uh to a, a cheaper venue that you're gonna to, you're gonna spend less on your night out Weatherspoon's in many cases is going to be that venue of choice for yeah. people so uh, you know, as as we open up, and, and of course, as you said there, if you see any lockdowns, that will be uh, a real hammer blow to, to where the spoons. But if we don't, and if we start to see, you know, the, the cost of living crisis really start to to hurt people's spending power, uh, I think that's probably going to be quite positive for for weather spoons going forward. And indeed, if we have uh, a period of good weather throughout the the summer, because that's something if you if you look at trading statements of pubs. As we get into the autumn, uh, it's not uncommon for them to blame a poor period of trading on the weather. So uh, let's hope for good weather for their shares as well. So we're going to finish off now, Alan, with a company that's had an astronomical rise over the past uh, week. Uh, It's vast resources. We're now trading just above uh, the two pence mark, uh, you know, less than uh, less than a week ago. Well, about a week ago now. We were trading um, at around 0.3 of a penny, so a huge move there, Alan. What's been happening? Well, quite a lot. It's been, you know, the third of May was uh, 
was a landmark day for the company where literally everything changed as soon as the what three announcements were released um, first thing in the morning yesterday. Um, of course, last week's shares were bumping along the bottom at uh, 0.2p, 0.23p, um, you know, very little happening. Um, and then uh, yesterday, the fortunes of the company changed. So um, just, just to say that, of course, the shares have traded as high as 10p on the year and as low as 0.08p. So um, quite a range. And it's jumped up from those levels to, um, to, to, uh, to as you say, 2.5p um, as we talk today, giving the company a market cap of 12.4 million. So Vast Resources, it's a name-listed mining group um, with mines and projects in Romania and Zimbabwe. Um, the chairman is a fellow called Brian Moritz, who's been with the company for many years. He's um, He's he, he's uh, he, he's very much uh, over the years. He's uh, through Grant Thornton. He's floated over companies on AIM under his leadership, um, and of course the chief executive is Andrew Prelia, who's been involved with Vast since 2013 and has very much been instrumental in spearheading the development of the company's portfolio in Romania. Um, and Andrew's got a lot of PR experience too, so he's he's very much the the consummate professional in this field. Um, so in terms of uh, the assets the company owns, it, it's 100% owns the Bataply polymetallic mine in the Abyssinian Mountains in Transylvania, home of uh, Camp Dracula, no less. Um, now, these uh, the Bataply project um, has a compliance uh, reserve uh, or, or mineral resource estimate of 15, uh, just under 15,700 tons of copper with a further... Um, with a further uh, uh, 1.83 million tonnes as an initial exploration target. But with the work that's been done recently, they're working on a large target there of up to 6 million tonnes of copper, which, of course, would be transformational if that comes, in, if, if that comes in, 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 into, into play. Um, the company also owns, and these are 100% owned again, the Manela polymetallic uh, mine in Romania. Um, it's been on care and maintenance since... 2015 but the company are working to recommence production um, and in Zimbabwe uh, vast resources um, has up to a 75% interest subject to milestones being hit um, of the community diamond concession um, within the Marange Marang uh, uh, diamond fields in Zimbabwe that's at Chiadza um, and uh, there's also an agreement to acquire up to 90% of the Gargu diamond mine in Botswana, subject to um, subject to various milestones being hit. So that's the background to the company. Um, what happened on May the 2nd? Well, um, a company that, uh, um, uh, that uh, called Atlas Special Opportunities, where a $300,000 bond was owed to, uh, or, or, or owed uh, 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 by, by vast resources, um, Atlas Special Opportunities agreed to convert that $300,000 bond into 89 million shares, just over 89 million shares, at 0.27p. So at a stroke, that, uh, that sort of bond legacy was resolved. Um, the company then announced it had participated in a new joint venture in Tajikistan, with an open joint stock company called, uh, a long convoluted name, but uh, Takeoff for short. Um, the, the, so so the, the, uh, the, the company, um, uh, the, the, the engagement with uh, Takeoff 
um, generates a number of benefits for the group. Um, of course, the Batterply polymetallic mine is generating some revenues for the company, but instantly from the takeoff arrangement, there'd be a, a near-term revenue stream opportunity. And this comes from ore processing to produce um, zinc, lead and, and fluoride. And this, uh, and this of course, is, is underway. Um, but it was it was the announcement that followed that that I think really lit the touch paper. The company uh, at the same time provided an overall corporate and operational update, um, where it reported a group revenue increase of two hundred thirty six percent in the first quarter of two thousand twenty two, which included um, the contribution to the take from the Takeob uh, uh, a joint venture in Tajikistan. Um, revenues jumped two hundred thirty six percent to two point. To eight million, up from nine hundred and seventy thousand last year. Um, now, Batterply revenues actually fell to six hundred and twenty thousand, but the other project revenues generated one point six million. So you get some idea of just how significant this is. And of course, this literally hit the, the, the this news hit the wires um, yesterday morning. So the the volume uh, and and the trading that's taken place in the company, you can only imagine. I imagine there were hundreds of private investors or retail investors scrambling the stock at the open yesterday. But of course, what this does is transform the company's uh, revenue stream potential um, and at the same time brought a lot more cash into the company to enable the company to, to, to fund its own development. And I think this is, this is the plan uh, uh, going forward. Um, there's a very, the, the, um, certainly the quarter, quarter two production, production outlook um, is uh, is expected to incre- in, uh, generate increased levels of ore uh, or processing uh, in, uh, in in the second quarter, um, and uh, the company said in the update um, the changes it's made uh, are, are, are forecast to result substantially increased uh, production levels of copper concentrate in June two thousand twenty two, which will reflect in financial results from quarter three two thousand twenty two onwards. A raft of other changes um, as, uh, and developments as well um, uh, in in terms of bringing the bringing the, the other projects online. So um, that that was uh, that was the first update of what I think will be many uh, detailed updates um, as we go forward into the second and and third quarters this year. But a very exciting move by the company, and still, you know, given I think. Um, the assets the company now has under under its control, we've still got a market cap of just twelve point four million. So those that were lucky to get on board yesterday, um, some of course will be taking profits because <laughs> they'll have seen a fantastic return. Um, but at the same time, I think uh, many other investors will stick with it because uh, it looks to me as though there's an awful lot more to come. Yes, and certainly that valuation compared to the revenue they posted there. When you're looking at a situation, roughly. Where if you analyse the uh, the revenue from the first quarter, that equates to you know there's obviously a bit of a disparity there. Uh, roughly the current market cap. Yeah, indeed. So yeah. you know, you know tra- trading at one time sales is um, you know for, for a junior miner is 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 pretty pretty good value. Um, well, it's unheard and, of, isn't it? Really, I mean, mining companies are valued on the assets they have in the ground that are are yet to see the light of day. But of course. Um, you know, Vast is already producing from its assets that, that it has. And it also has so many speculative assets in the ground that it's yet, it's yet to develop too. Indeed, indeed. And obviously looking through the report, there, there's a number of holes that look set to, to come into production. 
uh, in the very near future. So that will only add to that to the current figures. Of course, if we see metal prices uh, remain at, at current levels and they're able to maintain their current level of, of production, um, certainly one um, that may be, may be worth having a, a look at there. So recap of the uh, of the stocks that we discussed uh, today. Uh, first of all, it was Aston Martin uh, with a ticker of AML. It was then JD Weatherspoons, which has a ticker of JDW. And just then was uh, Vast Resources with a ticker of VAST. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, John. Just as a note to listeners, we held the UK Investor Magazine Investment Trust's uh, virtual conference last night, we had presentations from M&G Investment, Aberdeen and Premier Myton. Uh, do check out the videos to those. There's particularly interesting uh, presentations there. There's some great insight into uh, how people are picking up trusts at the moment, as well as from one of them, a good uh, instalment of insight on the property markets. Um, so do uh, do check that out. They're due to go uh, on the UK Investor Magazine uh, website in the video section at some point on Wednesday. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.